Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. And what's up, y'all? It's your boy DJ Ben Amin, and welcome to Fan Bros Show, the voice of the urban geek for all nerds. And let me say that one more time. It's your boy DJ Ben Amin, aka Lando Californication, the ghost in the shell. So keep that same inner charm. Reading Rambro, Benny and the Jetsons, a Wakanda werewolf in London, General Hustable, the redemption of Finn. Meek Mill House here in the spaceship tonight. Oh my God! Meek Mill House. That's right. We here. We live on YouTube, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, everywhere. And as always, I'm joined by Tatiana King Jones, aka the Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as Stone Cold Steve Flawson, aka Gem and the Hollow Fam, aka Princess Preach, aka E Honda Civic. AKA the Arc Android 18, AKA Queen of the Amazon's Prime subscription, AKA T'Challa Bread, AKA Toffee Baratheon, AKA Flex. <laughs> oh, a lot of heat coming off that couch right there. A lot of heat coming off that couch right now. And in the third seat we have. Oh my God, it is me, Jeff J, AKA the Haitian Super Saiyan, Do-Rags to Riches, Earth, Wind, and Firestorm, John Bodega, Bag of Vance, Astro, Brian McKnight, Thrasher, Facts to Destroy It, Time, Holland to Hollywood, but it's good, and Android 17, Wolf. Hey, what up, DBZ reference, I like it. It's very nice, very nice. And like we said before, everyone out there, welcome to another episode of Fan Bro Show. Thank you to everybody who's been listening. Subscribe to everything. Like we said, we got this YouTube popping in 2018. So make sure you hit that subscribe button right there. Get them notifications going. All that good stuff. Hit me up on Twitch. Hit me up on uh, PlayStation. I've been rocking that God of War DJ, but I mean Xbox everywhere. We everywhere right now. You beat now. it yet? Fan Bro Show. Hell no, I ain't beat that shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yo, every time I think like, okay, I'm getting close to the end and it's like, bro, please. Like there is much more to this game. And then I'm taking my time exploring everything. I'm listening to the whole story between the father and the son. Mm-hmm. And I, I was about to give away a spoiler, but you get you get a lot more story from a certain character about halfway through the game, I'd say. And that's where I'm at now. And I've been really enjoying that part of it. So I've been really listening to the stories that are being told. So. Yeah, I gotta jack my little sister for her PS4 so I could play this game, bro. Don't let yo, her let her know I said that though. Yo, shout out to the grind because he laced me up. That was this first PS4 and first um PS4 game I even got was God of War. So I, you know, first game I got. I'm definitely looking forward to Spider-Man. Nice and there's you know, mad games I'm about to go back and get. But yeah. nice. Damn. Hey, you know, it's a it's a good life. <laughs> Feels good to be king, folks. Feels good to be king. Welcome, you know, I've already said welcome a million times. You know, it's a hot show right now. We got a super big guest on it, but we got some other things to talk about. It has been a fire week. I mean, in every which way. It felt like this week, you know, I mean, it felt like the infinity fade was still going on and certain people were catching it without even knowing it. Like they were just stepping out and like, oh, I caught the fade, you know, like. Oh, I mean, you know, certain celebrities were just, you know, coming out the ass. Here's the question. How do you infinity fade yourself? 
Yo, I mean, for real, it's like you, you know, it's like you see other people disappearing and you're like, hold up. You know, you like grab onto one of them or something. You like push them out of the way. You just go, you grab onto them, you beam yourself out. What about you're like, no, no, take me instead. <laughs> I volunteer as tribute. You know, and, and excuse me, Mr. West decided to do that to himself this week. But then it just turned into a beautiful end of the week with, you know, Donald Glover and. This is America. Jesus. The symbolism, the power, the message in that shit. My God. Mm. He was hitting the moves though. Like let's let's be like, y'all can dis- y'all can deconstruct it however you want. He was getting them young boy dances. Oh, his shoot was nice. He the shoot real you know, good. You know, at my at my not so advanced age, um, those are young boy dances. Like, <laughs> like, like after he caught that shit. I'm like, yo, now I gotta do it. I have to be able to catch it now. Like if I can't shoot, you seen DJ Khaled shoot dance? No, <laughs> that's probably Ooh. horrible. Yeah. <laughs> It was rough. Like he's fighting himself. <laughs> oh no, no! No, but I didn't know Donald Glover was was had the light feet like that. I didn't know. What? Oh, oh no! I've been knowing it since he, mm-hmm. you know, did like other episodes and other like performances. My man can definitely move because he well, always no, like yeah. oh, oh no, he definitely been busting like the James Brown moves, all that type of style. But yeah, back to the video. The director is the same director from Atlanta, uh, Hero. Kira Mirai. Uh, yeah, Kira Mirai. Like, just, I think it's one shot throughout the whole thing, you know? Like, it's just one long shot. Everything had to happen in coordination and precision. Like, mm-hmm. just silliness. It's it's, it's 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 an edited one shot. Edited continuous mm-hmm. shot, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they didn't actually do it in one shot. It's just edited to look like one shot. Okay. All right, well, you know, I ain't mad. Same thing. <laughs> hey, I ain't mad at that, you it know? Don't change, it don't change the, the concept. The, the, the hustle is still there, you know? The hustle and the work put into it is still there. But that, you know, something else I wanted to talk about on this episode, something we really got to talk about is how people just put things into, people start making people into heroes, you know, like into geniuses. It's a word people just throw around right away. And then it leads into the thing where it's like we have Donald Glover right now, where now everyone's like, oh my God, he's the most important artist. I saw someone tweet that out right now. Like no one else is on his level right now. Mm. And it's like, that's real interesting and real like, you, you know, how do you have that going on? How do you say he's the most important artist? He's the only one who can, you know, speak for anyone. That really, I don't really like that. You. I don't like that concept because it leads into the idea like we have a Kanye West, like, right? Kanye West at one point was the most important artist. You know, what is he going to say next? What's he going to do next? And then people wait for you to fall or wait for you to make that mistake so they can tear you apart. You know, and it puts a lot of pressure on these people. And then it also, the idea that one person creates anything by themselves is also a silly idea. You know, that one Mm -hmm. person is behind everything. Because as we see, you know, Hero's the director of Atlanta. You know, he's directed pretty much every episode. I think Donald's on one, Mm -hmm. maybe one other person's done some other episodes like that. You know, the writing team of Atlanta is like, you know, five, six different people, the royalty writing team. You know, they also worked on the Childish Gambino album. So it's like all these things, you know, Kanye West himself, when he was making his great albums, he had mad collaborators and mad people working on it. But people always want to just put the one person on a pedestal. And that becomes mm-hmm. a problem because then they want to tear that one person down. What do we do when we have situations where these people that we put on pedestals or look up to or whatever you want to say about them do F up? 
what do we do when these people who are supposed to represent the ideal of whether it's creativity or culture or whatever the case may be, what do you do? But this has happened this week a few times. Eesh. Yeah. And, you know, really personally into Fanbro show and to our listeners and everyone, I know a lot of people out there know that Juno Diaz, you know, he's a good friend of mine. He was one of our most important, you know, still to this day, one of my favorite episodes of the show, just an incredible episode. I still think he's a great writer, but I also fully understand what people have been saying this week about not only his writing, but his life. And, you know, I was like, what, like Tatiana said, what do you do when this happens? Mm-hmm. Like, do you, this conversation keeps coming up because we start talking about their works. Do you mm-hmm. throw out the baby with the bathwater at that point? Is, does their behavior negate either past or current works or the power thereof of those works? What do you do? What's the, and granted there's, there's no one right answer, right? Everyone's going to feel the way they feel about different things. But that being said, I think it's important to discuss that. What do you do with these works? Does all those works for all of a sudden become trash? Does that mean that those things are frozen in time and anything going forward is you don't pay attention to? What do you do with these people? Well, I do think it opens you up to scrutiny, right? Mm-hmm. When you, whether you're doing any art that you're presenting for public consumption, you offer it up for scrutiny because art is to be absorbed and to be um, to, to everybody interprets it a different way, mm-hmm. and and you when when you create something, everybody's gonna take their little tidbits and their morsels from it. And you only know what you endeavor to do when you created the art, but everybody can find different pieces within your art that resonates with them and that uh, manifests into something that you may not even even saw or you may not even intended, but it causes you to be able to reflect and say, oh, shoot, this is a level I didn't even notice. Yeah, you can interpret that. I wasn't trying to say that, but yeah. <laughs> You can interpret it like that. Like, I, I, I see it. And that's the beauty of art is that because it's so subjective, you can find things in it that no one else can and make a case for it. But it's difficult, right? Because people can be geniuses. Because, like, the, the textbook je- definition, like, I, I pulled it up on my phone right now. It's extraordinary intellectual powers, especially as manifested in creative activity or someone endowed with extraordinary mental superiority, right? I'm of the belief that genius, depending on the topic, it's not transferable. I could be a musical genius. That doesn't mean I can do linear regression and all these types of statistical analysis because I'm a genius in a certain field. So I don't think that anybody who exhibits genius is free from any type of criticism. But you can... You can interpret their works with all of their negative qualities in mind and take from it what you will. You Similar to like Bill Cosby, for example. Bill Cosby, you know, Heathcliff Huxtable and Bill Cosby are two totally different people played by the same man. Heathcliff Huxtable is somebody who built something that I grew up on and that I can appreciate for the lessons that was taught within that show. But Bill Cosby, you know, he is what he is. He's a fucking predator. He's a rapist. He's all of that. But I don't think that what he did 
in real life yeah is the art that he created okay Mm, that's interesting, but then it's like, oh, well, like me, I never really cared for R. Kelly. Like, your body's tall and was like pretty much the only joint that I ever F with. And I saw somebody to, you know, I was reading this long article about him this week where someone was defending him and saying, you know, he's contributed tr- so much to the culture. And I'm like, nah, I mean, I mean, okay, <laughs> like, I, be- I believe I can fly, you know, like, okay, that's the jam, right? That, he wrote you know, for a lot of people, though. He wrote for a lot of True indeed, Maxwell. He, 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 he contributions. Like, if we just take his him from from everything else and just talk about the work that he put in in just in the genre alone save all the pedophilia and all of that shit he did contribute to the culture like that but that's just but, a fact okay but see this is something that i've always thought about right and it, it goes back to even before r kelly anyone like someone like shakespeare any great artist right when you think about them it's like they're in this position but how did they get in that position and i'm sure there's other artists like that who just aren't in that position because, and also one of the reasons why is because R. Kelly occupies that position. So I'm sure there were other artists who could have been R. Kelly's position who weren't out there fucking kids, you know? So it's like, I mean, no, let's keep it real. That's what I'm saying. You got to put these things in perspective. And that's what I've always said, because it's like people idolize certain people. Like we don't know what Shakespeare was doing. We don't know if he had mad ghostwriters. You know, like, I'm sure there's historians and stuff who can bait me, whatever. But you don't, you know, were we there, like, right there? Who, who was that? That got weak when you talk about Shakespeare had a code. Hell, Shakespeare, Shakespeare. <laughs> Wait, no, 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 we can't. Wait, hold on. That's the title of the episode, Bong. <laughs> like, even Shakespeare got ghostwriters. It was out here. Shakespeare didn't write his own robs. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't there in the studio when he was taking them shits. So you know what I mean? So it's like, that's what I mean. But people put different things on pedestals. Shakespeare like, in the stool now? Where did hey, we get here? It happens. <laughs> it happens. Kara said he was going to battle him and take his shit. So, you know, it's already out there. But, but that, <laughs> summer nice dream was written by fucking Plato and not Shakespeare and shit. <laughs> I think that's like different like, centuries. Oh, imagine. <laughs> what a spook. Yo, that shit is fire, yo, yo. And let me publish it under my work. Oh my God. But but back to the reality of it, that's what I'm saying. It's like we say, okay, we like, okay, you can take this person away from that. And yes, you can, but at the same time, you can't forget what these people have done to in, in good and more importantly in bad ways, you know, sometimes. And so back to someone like Juno Diaz, someone who we on the show personally love, you as much as we do like his writing, everything he said, you also have to take the good with the bad with these people and be like, mm. So it's a lesson, don't put anyone on a pedestal? I think that's pretty much, I mean, not not that, but that's one part of it. Like, you, you know, it's like, you got to understand that everyone is human. People do terrible shit. Men are trash, you know, in general. Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, facts, you know? And so it's like, that's... You can't sit there and be like, oh, my God. Like, I just hate even now how they just did Donald Glover. You know, he comes off this show and now everyone's like, genius. Oh, my God. Most important. He's the only thing that matters. And it's like, wait a minute, man. There's like mad artists out there making beautiful, great music. A lot of them we don't pay effing attention to. Lexi Alexander was talking about this before on our show when you're like, you know, every time a movie comes up, Ava's got to direct it. You know, now it's like Ryan Coogler's got to direct it. But there are 50 million other directors of color, women directors who need work, et cetera. Yeah. You know, you can't just always be like, this is the one. 
Well, that's ne- why they're called Neo. Right? That's why they're called fanatics because they're insane. They're insane about the people that they support. So I get it. I get what you say. I can't fault anybody for wanting to elevate people. Like I personally, just switching genres, I still don't understand how at this point someone could watch basketball and say, I love basketball, and in the same breath say, I hate LeBron James. I can't. It's impossible. Like I I don't understand that. As a kid, I hated Michael Jordan. You know why I hated Michael Jordan? He was shit on y'all. He wasn't on my team. (laughs) He he wasn't on your team. He was was mad. For my Knicks trying to get to the finals. So, but I never denied his greatness. It was just fuck him. Because fuck him. You know, I, I, I would I wished he would stay in Atlanta City an extra week and, and maybe drink a little more Henny so we could get a game off of him. But I never denied his greatness. I never denied his greatness. And I think that's what that's what it is. Like, I can't fault somebody for wanting to elevate another artist. But in this era where we can communicate our critiques mm-hmm. through social media, through the Internet, through other means... You're, you're, that's why I, I salute a lot of the creatives and a lot of the people in this era because you're open to a lot more scrutiny than you were back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. There was, if it wasn't Siskel and Ebert talking about your movie, all right, whatever, or whatever established. Right. Yeah, right. But on a global what? scale, like no. your mistakes are on a global scale at this point. Right, right. So, so. You're under the you're under the microscope now more than ever. Where marginalized voices have a stronger voice now because anybody can listen to them. You you getting a consensus approval for your work is way more difficult now than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. So in that regard, I salute all of the all of the artists that that come out now. But I can't fault anybody for wanting to elevate their fave. But just know, once you elevate them, once they get into a certain airspace, we're going to regulate it and we're going to talk about it and we're going to say, okay, if he's really that great. Because I've, I've seen the conversation about Donald Glover, about his past and about how yeah. he separated himself from blackness and his prior comments. And this is stuff that you have to discuss because when you create an art that's appealing to your people, but... At the same time, you your previous comments they they contradict what you're producing. Yes, and we we are. It's only right for us to ask those questions and to keep you honest to what you're doing and to interpret it through that lens. Mm. Yeah. Go ahead. I was gonna say you guys both pretty much suggested most of the things that I was thinking in my head, just in terms of how we treat our heroes or how we treat luminaries or whatever the case may be. The part I wanted to add is when you do, regardless of whether you uplift someone and put them on a pedestal or see them as geniuses, just be very mindful of their whole character. Lots of people will blindly just follow or listen to someone and they only base it on one track or one body of work or whatever the case is. Really understand who you're dealing with just from a whole point of view, because as Jeff alluded to, there's some things that they may have said in the past that are a little funny style, but maybe they've changed their ideologies or maybe they've never changed their ideologies and they're hiding it behind a mask. So I just think 
from a personal standpoint, it's important to really, if, if there's somebody that you really mess with heavy like that, to really go into their history, their body of work, their creativity, really go into their thoughts and understand who this person is. Because lots of times you're dealing with a stranger. I, you don't know them personally, but you, but who you think these people are are not really who they are. Mm, facts. And also, like Jeff said, and like we've all been saying, it's also a lot of people who go into this work. You know, like I said, with Donald Glover, there's a whole team of people behind him. So, you know, Kanye West, whole, with anyone great, there's always some people behind you. You know, with Ambrose Show, it's all of us who make this thing great. You know, we're the best, you know, like shout out to Khaled, you know, we even do everything over here. But, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> that's all I can say on that one. I think we've said enough on this subject. We've got the super fire guest coming up. You know, the mayor of the Fanbro show returning to take his crown back. DJ Older is here. Daniel Jose Older. Listen to it after the break. Hey, this is Yatide Badaki. I play Bill Quiz on American Gods. And when I am not swallowing up people whole, I am listening to Fanbros. Hi, this is Marjorie Liu. And when I'm not bitching about ex mocking the movie, I'm listening to Fanbros. <laughs> This is Cree Summer, and when I'm not voicing your favorite childhood cartoons or smoking a lot of weed, I'm listening to the Fan Bro Show. Actually, sometimes I do that at the same time. Oh, hey, this is your friendly neighborhood superhero, Gene Gray, and um, I'm, I'm currently on a date with Deadpool, but I just left him downstairs to come up here and just uh, say, you know, guys, just, just listen to the show. It's Fan Bros. Why would you not? Hold on. I'm coming, honey. Okay. All right. That's Deadpool. Okay. Bye, guys. Hi guys, it's Alfred Woodard, and when you are not just like picking, uh, why don't you listen to Fan Bros? The best people are. Uh, but you know what picking is, just picking your nose. Fan bros, this is Tatiana King Jones, and as always, I have the best of the best here to interview on <laughs> Fan Bros Show. Now, that laugh might sound familiar to a few people because this guy is basically the mayor of our show. I think he's beat Otto Asando for most number of times as a guest on this show. I don't know, but that being said, that voice you hear is—he's a writer sometimes. <laughs> he's a novelist sometimes. sometimes. He's an editor sometimes right. of some, you know, books you might or may not have heard. You know, Bone Street Rumba series. You might have heard of the Shadow Shaper series. You might have heard of Shadow Shadow House Fall, and you might have heard something called Last Shot, the Star Wars series. <laughs> That's, you know, it's just little small beans, you know. But really, guys, we have Daniel Jose Older. Ah! Welcome. Thank you. I just made my own crowd noise. <laughs> we'll put in our own sound effects and all that stuff. You know, that's how we do it. So welcome back. Thank you. As usual, always love having you here. You are, like, again... One of the kings of fan bros, okay? I have to say one of them because everybody else is going to get No, mad. I understand that. But you're I, one of the I, kings of fan bros I, I show. respect it. <laughs> You've always effed with us heavy yeah, since Jump Street, okay? I love you guys. 
And you've always shown us love and respect, and that's very important to us. So yeah. I just want to lay that out on well, the line. You've always done the same for me, and I appreciate it. Thank and I you. just always have a legitimately good time when I come. Good. It's not always true of every interview, you know, not for nothing. Ooh, did you hear that? Not every interview is like a Fanbro Show interview. I wonder why. That's basic facts. Because <laughs> motherfuckers don't care. They don't do their homework. So, so you understand that, that like, we put in no, our work for you. Like, I do. Well, you put in your work, period. Yes, thank you. And I appreciate that. And like, no, for real, though. I, I don't, no one likes being bored. <laughs> An interview, and if the host is bored, you're gonna be bored too. You know what I'm saying? So, I appreciate the fact that you guys are not only enthusiastic and professional, but you've also done your homework and like read the shit, so we can actually have a real conversation, you, which is dope. Thank you, sir. So, Thank you. Uh, as you know, right now it's just me and Daniel. Ben Hamin is off in the interwebs, interspace. I don't know what you want to call it. He's all doing his own thing. But the first question actually comes from him. Okay. Oh, cool. And you What's know, up, you know, he's gonna ask you. You know, when you first started to experience the joy and success. Brought on by being in the fan bro circle of trust. <laughs> you got to do your Ben voice. Did you? Did you, I can't even do that voice. Did you ever in your wildest dreams think that you would have an entry on Wikipedia? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a perfect way to phrase it because that is, in a weird way, like one of the things that I love the most about the fact that this shit has happened. Because I was on the Wikipedia like a lot when mm-hmm. I was writing the book. Mm-hmm. Like that was that was my main. You know, I just stayed on the Wikipedia because they it's really well organized and they have a lot of information. A lot. And like it's really good. So I was just up up and down it. And now, like, there I am on it, and I'm like, shit. You know, it's like a big deal when it's something you saw and then you're a part yeah. of it. And, but the same is true for Star Wars as a whole. Like, I grew up watching Star Wars. Return of the Jedi was the first movie I saw in the theater. Mm-hmm. I've been a Star Wars nerd. That's been my main number one fandom for the longest, forever. Yeah. I just fuck with Star Wars like that. So right, yeah. being a part of the universe is just deeper than I can even say, like, to get to. to and they were really cool. Yeah. Like they were great. Like when, like I brought them all kinds of ridiculous ideas, and like I wrote that book feeling like half of this is gonna get cut out, and none of it did. <laughs> like, so wait, that's interesting. You're telling me everything you wrote they accepted, mostly. Ninety nine percent. Really? Yeah. Disney said, "Oh, I fucks with Daniel Jose older." They sure the fuck did. Like for me, for who I am, they weren't trying mm-hmm. to make me into like a Disney author or a star. You know. And I think if you read the recent Star Wars books, you can see that that that's they what, have that's, they've really let authors shine. Like yeah. Delilah Dawson's book is fire. You know, Chuck Wendig's like all of the Claudia's, all this stuff that's been coming out has been amazing. Like really mm. high quality and very full of voice. Like mm. they're not trying to have like this one. Same voice for all, you know, which makes sense because it's a wide galaxy, you know, so there's different characters, different energies, and the movies have always been like that. You know, if you look at Clone Wars and, you know, the show and the movies and Rebels, they always are really playful with, like, genre. Yeah. And there's funny shit and there's tragic shit and there's everything in between. Right. Well, I I sound so surprised because, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, even though, yeah, like now, I would say the last five years, Disney Mm -hmm. has at least been visibly more open with with the animation, with the shows, with the movies. And now with the novels, I still felt like, you know, they're very strict about things. Like, they're very traditionalist. Like, okay, we're giving you the reins, but within a certain parameters. And you're telling me... That's kind of the truth, the truth, but they're also giving you your voice. Yeah, totally giving them my voice. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I wondered that, too. I went mm-hmm. into it with some trepidation, being like, you know, I had never written an IP before, like, you know, someone else's world. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it called? Intellectual property, right? Intellectual property, yeah. Yeah, so I hadn't done that before, and I was, and honestly, if it wasn't Star Wars, it would be really hard for me to, to get me to do it, because I just love making up my own shit. That's what I do, you know? Um, but, yeah, I was like, are they going to chop, chop? Um, but it's worth it. It was worth it to me, even okay. if they were going to chop. I mean, I went into publishing originally wondering that too you know like when i wrote shadow shaper i was like i don't know if they're gonna let me get away with this shit this is like a fantasy book that outright critiques white supremacy uh gentrification cultural appropriation like 
I wasn't seeing that in a lot of fantasy books. So I didn't mm -hmm. know if I could get away with it, especially with Scholastic. Mm -hmm. And they let me run rampant. You know, they let me do exactly what I wanted to do. And I think the lesson in that for me and for writers coming up is like, don't assume that they're, that they're going to cull your voice and mm -hmm. do it for them. You know, like maybe like take that risk and see what happens. And I know that's not easy. Like, I don't want to say it as if yeah. like, oh, yeah, just, you know, attack white Especially supremacy. Especially with Disney. Right. No, absolutely. Like, and I, I think it's hard. It's hard to do. And you're taking a risk by doing it. Yeah. And sometimes that risk pays off. And sometimes you need to be strategic and get yourself in the door and then fuck shit up. Yeah. And that's cool, too. You know, there's different ways of coming that's at smart. it. smart. But, you know, Last Shot has a, a black trans person mm -hmm. or gender non-binary person. Yes. Last Shot has, you know, all kinds of interspecial relationships. Um, it has an Ewok. Apparently, this is controversial that there's an Ewok that, who's a hacker, you know, like white supremacists. <laughs> Why is that lost. controversial? Oh, they got so. You didn't see the guy say, This book is dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> on the strength of that. But why is that controversial? Because Ewoks are a quote-unquote primitive culture. Yeah, so? To, I'm not going to defend it. <laughs> this yeah. is their dumbass So idea, there can't but. be a difference? Well, what's really wild is in canon, we see Ewoks jump on top of speeders and know exactly what to do with them. That's so what it's I'm saying. You like, see... Uh, yeah. Okay, wait but a minute. But you know what it's really about. Yeah. You know what it's really about. Like You see Chewie do that too. You see Chewie flying a whole ass well, Millennium Chewie, Falcon. But, yeah, but Chewie's not an Ewok and he's, no, he's no, sorry. established like, he, right off the bat as like He's a Wookiee, but yeah. I mean like what I'm saying is yeah. there are many species that are Right. They exactly. have a excuse me, they have a a how you how you call it? They have a They're not human. They're furry as shit, but they still know no, what to do with it. No, with a, but like more so that a there's a stereotype about them. <laughs> right. Right? Right. But then they rise above that. So I don't understand why what you couldn't is, do that. To me, it's that, you know, science fiction has always been the discourse of colonialism. And that that is a very clear example of it. And, you know, the Ewoks are problematic. Like, let's be honest, you know. Yeah. They're dope as hell. I love that part of the movie. Um, it's a narrative about, like, warring... Um, quote-unquote civilized cultures using quote-unquote primitive cultures as a part of their proxy war, you know, which was happening. That was yeah. the 80s. You know, that's exactly what was going yeah. on between the U.S. and Russia and all that other stuff. Whatever. Point is, people see them as the primitive other. Mm. And so the idea that the primitive other could, like, go ahead and master the technology of the quote-unquote civilized race is totally unfathomable. It sounds real familiar. Right. Yeah, it's all, <laughs> you know, like... It sounds a exactly. little close to home, actually. That's what's happening. And it has them shook. Which is dope. Like, mm. be shook. You know what I'm saying? So, I got to ask, man. Yeah. Not, you, you mentioned that there's, there's some shookness happening. Yeah. How is, and I don't know if you've been paying attention to it, if you've yeah. been looking at their, obviously you have at least online, but like, have you been looking at the reviews? Like, what are the public saying about yeah. your books? It's been book way overwhelmingly positive for the most part. Good. I just now on Twitter retweeted Chuck uh, Wendig, who went on Amazon and found all this, like, hatred which was very clearly coordinated, like right wing, like douchebag hatred. So they're like doing like like uh, review bombs. Yeah, review bombs where it's like one wow. star reviews. And, oh, this book is trash. One I think said, if you like this book, you should be put in an oven. Yeah, no, all that like thoughtful literary critique that we're used to from oh like the douchebag corner. I mean, they're really like hurt and shook, and that's what it is. And I think it's funny. It's not funny, but it's also funny. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. that's how you kind of have to approach. I've been hated on by folks, by white supremacists since I've been publishing books. Like, my first book, which came out from an independent publisher, you know, which was a small press release, still had people in the comments on Goodreads being like, they're not enough nice white people, and blah, blah, blah. You know, all this bullshit, because mm. literature itself doesn't have enough nice white people in the history of, you know, Western lit. But whatever. So I, I find it funny. I find it sad. I find it both at the same time. Um, I feel for the people that actually, you know, 
just I, I can I know it can feel really uh, scary. You know, yeah. and I don't want my readers to like have to feel scared, like the people that love it. Because what I've mostly what I've been getting, and this is what I think is important to focus on, is people in my mentions on Twitter saying like, "I never dreamed that Star Wars would have a non-binary character, yeah. a non-binary black character, yeah. who is like dope human, mm-hmm. you know, and like really really cool, and not a bad guy, and not a punchline." Like, people just didn't dream that that would happen in our lifetime. So for, and, and it's not the first, I should say. Like, Chuck has a non-binary character mm-hmm. in, his, in the Aftermath series. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's more and more. It's, we're accumulating. And I think that's amazing. And people have just been really grateful for that. And that's yeah, been cool. Yeah. I'm just, like, shocked that I'm clamoring for a Star Wars book. <laughs> like, you know. That's true. We've been arguing about we, Star Wars and Star Trek since we've been. We've been arguing about Star Wars and Star Trek. Yeah. And, and, and quite honestly, the last five years have yeah. been very illuminating for me when yeah. it comes to Star Wars and I've I'm become a full-fledged fan. That's now. amazing. Like a full-fledged fan. So what you're saying is I was right. No. So I would never say that. I feel like that's so, what you're saying. Um, <laughs> as, a, as, as a Capricorn, <laughs> and, 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 tut, that's how I understand tut, what you're tut, saying tut, right that's now. That's not what I'm saying. Fair enough, Garrett. Go on. So... What is it like working with like your Disney overlords? Because I mean, you, I mean, because you came, <laughs> I you come. They were mad cool. But no, but yeah. like, what is? Because like, I know you're NDA'd out, out the, out yes. the ass. Like, yes, I am. You, you, let's do it this way. Yes. The way you started, your life was very different when you from the day you first came on Fan Bros Show. True, true, true. true okay. True, true, true. I don't know if you were still doing it or you had just left the ambulance service. <laughs> I yes. call it the ambulance, the ambulance. service, <laughs> the ambulance. <laughs> but like that well, was, I was still doing it back then. I think. Right. Yeah. I think you were still doing it, but that was recent. Yeah, you were, you were, you were was. still, even though you had stuff under your belt, you were still fledging. Yeah. And for now, like you over here living the no, you know, you got in a mansion. You know, you coming down. <laughs> <laughs> I at, don't at have Disney a World every day and for stuff. The <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you got your own I secret service. I haven't been I to mean, Disney World. I don't, you know what? <laughs> You're spreading rumors now. <laughs> I do not have a mansion. No, um, no, but but, but, you. but your yeah. life is. Com- it's really different. It's really like it's different. different. It really is the dream. Like I really yeah. feel like I'm living the dream in yeah. a very. Another sound. You can't say you're being humble, but it, it, it's a humble dream in a way. Like. Yeah. It's not about like the goodly goods that I have in my life. It's about the fact that I wake up every day and I get to write. Mm. That's the dream. Like, and th- that's not for nothing. But early on, that was always what I called success. Um, and I think it's really important. Again, for for writers on the on the come up, like, it's really important to stop and take a second and take a breath and define success for yourself. Because God forbid you living out someone else's dream, or or you're or you're living out your version of success, but you don't know it because you think it's you're supposed to be doing a Stephen King, you know, and like that really is common, especially with us, because we often will chase a white version of success, um, which looks very different from maybe what we really want, you know, like that version of success. And I think we talked about this on the show before, but that whole idea of just like blasting off and being separated from your world and your community and like not looking back ever and being on billboards and just not talking to your old you know crew is yes. trash like that's really unhealthy and scary but that's what we're told is what it means to make it which is weird it's weird right when, so when you look at it from logic standpoint it's logically like it's nuts like and yeah. it's dangerous and people burn out because of it you mm. know like look at how much mental health problems happen in celebrities like mm-hmm. and there's reasons for it and some of that has to do with the disconnect like they were taught that you should tear yourself away from your people to win and that's so damaging and I don't believe in that. And early on, I knew not to believe in that. So I told yeah. myself, I sat down and I said, like, what does it mean to make it? Because I didn't want to make it and not know it. Do you feel like you made it? Yeah, I feel like I made it. But I also qualify that by saying it's an ongoing process, right? Making it doesn't mean you stop, okay. you know? Um, okay. And you have That's to fair. keep setting your sights higher, right? Like, yeah. I don't want to be where I am next year, but that doesn't mean I'm unhappy where I am. 
Okay, that's And fair. I feel like activism is the same way, right? Like yes. when I think about the diverse books situation and that struggle, like <laughs> I was in Barnes & Noble today, right? And I looked at their display and that shit was amazing. Like the young adults display. I mean, like majority POC books. Did you move your books there? I did not. You should always do that. Every time you walk into a Barnes & Noble, move whatever well, The good news is, is I don't really have to anymore, so that's okay. cool. But no, my books were there. This was all... Um, it was just like, because it was really recent YA books okay. that had come out. Okay. But it was all these amazing black women that are writing YA right now. It was just like mad people of color, queer love stories. Like, just, it was beautiful. And I was like, this is what we're fighting for. Like, this is yeah. what we fought for, which doesn't mean we're done. You know, we don't get to like just be like, it's a rap, you know, because that's not how white supremacy works or no. patriarchy. Like, it's never not, a rap. Yeah, they don't stop. So we can't stop. But we can say, like, yo, we fought that fight and we won it. And now we keep moving to the next fight. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned uh, that trip that you took to Barnes Nobles. You saw this this beauty, really. What are like some of the titles that you're you're really into, or you saw that you like? You know what, you guys, yeah, need to pay attention to this. Man, okay. Well, right on that shelf, we had The Bells by Danielle Clayton. Okay. We had Children of Blood and Bone by Tommy Adeyemi. Yeah, that's is, what I was gonna say. You read that shit? No, I have it on the way. Yo, it's on the great. way. Both of those books are great. Dread Nation is great by Justina Ireland. Like yeah. those three right there. Boom. Like. Black women fantasy, just killing the game, like, yes. over and over. And that's amazing. Um, and, you know, I want to shout out Tomi because she's really, a, they're all really sweet people. Tomi um, told me that a lot of shadow, a lot of her inspiration from writing came from Shadow Shaper. Wow. Which really moved me. Yeah, Children of Blood and Bone is a quote from Shadow Shaper. Like, it's so, and it's so sweet. That, like, blows my mind because that's the cycle of, you know, like, there are, there are people like Tanana Revdu, Jacqueline Woodson, yeah. who inspire me. You yes. Know? And who I write because they found room under their wing. And, you know, I always, like, say their names and shout them out. Cherie Renee Thomas. Like, amazing black women who really put themselves out there and, like, allowed me to grow, you know? And, you know, for Tommy to say to me, like, just be so excited and, and be so awesome about letting me know that, mm -hmm. it, like, really moved me, you know? Like, it mm -hmm. really just touches me that we can be in that community together. And Danielle Clayton, amazing writer, amazing book, you know, like, She's part of that. She really is like spearheading that we need diverse books movement and making mm -hmm. sure it doesn't stay just a moment and really stays a movement. And that's huge. It's an active. You know, it's an active thing. It didn't just die out. It wasn't just a hashtag that flashed and then disappeared. And the bells is dope too. Like there's just so many yeah. good books happening. Yeah. So I I sent you a note saying I got the and I put it all on my IG. I got the book. I got mm -hmm. last shot. I was freaking thrilled that I got it. Yeah. I didn't get to read the whole thing, but I got to read the first few chapters cool. and. I say, from my standpoint, yeah. I love the voice that you gave Lando. Oh, thank you. Like, I love it. I, <laughs> I, I am, because we have the image of Billy D, and I'm right. thinking of young Billy D. Right. And then, like, the way you characterize him and the way that you use um, adjectives and the way that you, mm. you space it with action, <laughs> it's like so, it's so perfect. Like, <laughs> it's never just, you know, oh, not to say anybody just writes like that, but it's never, oh, the guy walked to the right. It was. Right, right. It was Lando with his flowing purple <laughs> locks and waves and, you know, cascaded over his shoulder. And the, like, it's very expressive. And I love that expressive writing. So you. you did that also in his voice, just the way yeah. he would talk to people. Like, right in the beginning, right. when he's talking to the, the, the young, um, it wasn't an Ewok. He was talking to... Oh, the Twilight. Yeah, the Twilight. Yeah. He was talking to a young <laughs> Twilight. And... He and she was asking him pretty much a dumb question, right. but 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 he was, was like, like, oh no worries. He did the big and he said and he smiled. You know, he he yeah. chuckled or smiled, or whatever. Right. but it wasn't just he smiled. It was I saw yes. Billy Dee's face. Ah. I, I saw the 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 ha ha he he. This is Lando type of thing. Right. So I say all that because 
what is it like your previous work that helps inspire you how to write like that or mm. like where is this coming from <laughs> i have to ask where is this coming from like obviously you have a love for star wars but like yeah. where's all this coming from what is this inspiration coming from that's an interesting question Ah, uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly. This is just like, as it's just coming out like, yo, this is what I think Lando would act if he was in this situation. Yeah, you mean specifically around like Lando and those characters? Yeah, that we know so well? yeah. yeah, you know, like, yeah, that is a lot. Of, like, he's such a, what I love about Star Wars is that it's a great lesson in the fact that, like, it's a great lesson in fuck backstory. That's what I want to say, basically. Like, we rely way too heavily on backstory as writers. <laughs> and I always think of like, because we're always talking about character development and what makes characters real and stuff. Backstory is not it. Like it's always you always want to think like what makes you fall in love with a person, yeah. And that's kind of what you want to get at, and that's a big, obviously weird, uh, out there kind of question. But you actually don't fall in love with anybody over their backstory. You know what I mean? Like uh. you're never like, wow, I love you because you were born in a small town outside of Des Moines. <laughs> like nobody gives a fuck. You know what I mean? Like, nobody cares about you, Superman. <laughs> no, right, right. Oh shit, I wasn't even. Wow, I didn't even mean to, <laughs> to shade that much. It's Smallville, but you know, same thing, same thing. Cornfields. I really don't love Superman. <laughs> I know. Anyway. <laughs> The point is, like, you don't you don't care about people's backstory. I mean, you might, and down the road, once you care about them, then yeah. you care about their backstory. Yeah. And that's why, like, backstory is good to, like, push down a little bit into the narrative some, but we don't need to lead with that. And, like, if you think about Star Wars, like, we don't know a goddamn thing about Han Solo or Lando. We, we know, we can count on one hand what we know about them as characters. That is what very we true. love is them as people and the acting that brings them to life and they're, like, the fact that they're daredevils and that they're mischievous and that they get away with shit, like... We love all that shit about them. That's the most fun. Yes, and and that's front story, and that's great because that's what that's the action. You know, that's the good stuff. So I think that's an important lesson. You know, I think it means we can spend less time talking about where motherfuckers were born and yeah. more time telling actual stories. So I tried to um, take that and 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 look at them and how they moved and how they acted. That's what comes across. Yeah, that's what the genius of Billy D is. You know what I mean? Yes, like, and that's a deep ass character. Like. It's super He's super deep. He takes a big L, even as he's handing out another L. You know what I mean? Like in Empire, we we see him like fuck up his best friend's entire life <laughs> to save a whole city. Yeah. And to save his best friend's girl, like he really saved a lot of lives that day. But, but we focus on the fact the that yeah, he he threw a motherfucker on, and it's his best friend, so it's a betrayal. Yeah. Like no doubt, it's a betrayal. But he actually did the right thing. Yeah. And he also came back around and almost got killed saving his ass a year later. You know, yeah, in yeah, Jedi. Yeah, yeah. And that's, like, profound, you know? So, and later in the book, they, that that comes up between them, you know, in a mild way. Like, and yeah. they're just having a conversation. But it's good in this book that you get to understand the motives. Right. Because where, uh, in the timeline, this book takes place where in the series? Okay, there's four, there's actually four parts Yeah, because I, so I know in the beginning, I love, what's interesting, just yeah. like your other books, is yeah. even though you didn't draw it, you didn't right. get to write it, there's kind of a map <laughs> yep. of where it oh, is. Oh, like in the Because it shows you the timeline. Yeah, 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 exactly. Del Rey is so, awesome. So, so, and I say that because I saw the map, but clearly didn't remember. Where right. is right. it in the Well, story? no, it's because you don't remember because it's complicated. Because, yeah. like, the front, the main part of the story of Last Shot happens about two or three years after Return of the Jedi. Okay. So, and after that, it's like two years after Aftermath, really, which is a little bit after Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. So that's, like, after the Battle of Jakku, like, Ben Solo is a toddler. He's two years old. And that's when everything is going on. Um, but we also jump back in time to emo look at land emo. <laughs> Emo <laughs> That, by the way, was a whole other um, part that I didn't expect. Was I didn't realize how deep the fandom of Kylo is. Yeah, and it's a, it's impressive. Like they are, they love him. They love him. He's they, such a freaking Kanye, but they love him. He's like, he's so Kanye. Ka Kanye is Kylo Ren. You ain't know that. I did not. Know Kanye that. Ren. You're right. Yeah. You thought you thought. Uh, 
Look it up. You know what's funny? Because I see did you see on Twitter the other day? I, I was like, I um started a hashtag like years ago, um, Star Wars rap names. No. Yes. And it was one of those. Oh, wait. Yes, you did. It went viral. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. BuzzFeed covered it and didn't mention me and all that shit. You know, it's like one of the, as all good viral. What's threads, new? <laughs> right. Like, What's I, new? That's how it works. But anyway. Yeah. I didn't. What were we? Uh, we, we so it's Where is it Lando. in this story? Right. Young Lando. The Young Lando yeah. stuff happens right before Solo. Okay. And the Young Han stuff happens right after Solo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so okay, it sandwiches okay. the movie. Okay, so that answers my next question about how does it run into That's the how. movie. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And I understand, obviously, the book is not just about Lando. It's also about Han it and is. those early days I as guess. well. But <laughs> I guess. But I focus in on Lando because he's one of the few early characters of color, visible characters right. of color. It's perhaps the only one that's like not like killed outright. Um, no, yeah, I think you're right. I don't know. Like, I'm talking about the early days. Like, yeah, yeah, the, the original trilogy. I don't remember no. so he's right. as far as i know he's the only or one of the, the the or maybe the one that is visible and like you said it, and like i keep thinking like no one seemed to care to go into his right. life right. and it's there's clearly a hunger to yes. see his life yes just like when you know no offense with the han solo movie coming out like that's cool and all but but I Lando, really would have preferred to see a Lando movie. What's good with Lando? Yeah, I mean, I think you speak for a lot of people. I also would love to see a Lando movie. And I think Le people are going to, I mean, people just love Lando. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that's that's all it is. And, yeah, I think what we're seeing right now in, as a whole is a lot of correcting of those age-old wrongs. Mm. You know, like with Black Panther. You know what I mean? Like, with a lot of series that we're now seeing, like, oh, shit. Like, oh, people want to see this. Oh, black people go to the movies. You know, oh, POC read. Like, Oh, black people go to the right. movies. <laughs> like, literally, like, <laughs> I that's, love it. We've been saying that shit for years, right? But people are finally keying into it. And now we have, like, one of the most successful movies of all time. So, yeah. you know, I think Star Wars knows that. And they'll be on that tip. They're figuring it out. It has been getting more and more diverse. And I think we're going to see good things ahead. I hope. That is my hope. So... One thing you you are writing about the love of Lando's life. Yes, yes. I um, that I didn't think they'd let me do either. <laughs> who who doesn't make it to Cloud City? Who doesn't make, make it? it. To, wait, what? Who doesn't make it to Cloud City? You mean in the earlier? Yeah. Part? Who doesn't make? It? Wait, no, she's in the she's in the front story. She is in the front story. She's in the yeah, okay. She's in the now section. So they. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, yeah, okay, so, okay, 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 yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is after, which means we don't know. Oh, yeah. so oh. After Cloud City, after Return of the Jedi. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So gotcha, we don't gotcha. know anything. We don't know anything about Lando post Return of the Jedi. Like he, we know he's alive because I think he shows up briefly in Aftermath, mm -hmm. and he shows up. He's mentioned, I think, in Bloodline in Claudia Gray's Bloodline, which is great. But so we just know he's alive. We don't know anything else about him, which means I got to fill in some blanks. Is Han's wife in here, or Leia? No, well, no, the other. Well, oh, Sana. Yes. Yes. Oh. Yes, of course. Oh my God, you think I was gonna write a Star Wars book? Yeah, and not put... I, no, no. I know that you're gonna try, but it's oh, like yeah. no, that's what I'm I didn't get that, that far, so I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, yeah. She's in the Han backstory section. Yes, yes. I love her. She is amazing. Yes. Did you read? There was a comic with her and Lando recently that Marvel yes. did. That's how I got into it. Like I was like, whoa, where's this woman come from? Yes. Right, right. So, and they joke about the fact, like, Leia's like, "Oh, your other wife." <laughs> like, she literally says that. And Lando's like, "Of all the beautiful women in the galaxy, that you were gonna fake marry for some land." <laughs> Yikes! Yeah, it's a whole thing. But oh um, she's an amazing character. She was a lot of fun to write. 
Because she just runs circles around Han. Yeah. Like, she's a thousand times smarter than him. She's so cool. Like, she's just so from that one panel, I was just like, yes. she's fucking badass. That, that comic, she's been in a bunch of different um, comics, but that one that was really about her, yeah. that was phenomenal. When she coming down the, you know, coming down the walkway, got right? that just blaster ready, I was just yeah. like, yo! And like, one thing I really wanted to do in this book, which I'm not, which is not natural to me, is mm-hmm. have fashion be a part of it. Like, cause, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a fashion person, so thank God, See, I'm not. <laughs> I did Love it for fashion. you. Yes. Thank like, you. But and people have been appreciating it, which I'm glad of, because I didn't, I don't know what I'm doing. But it's Star Wars, so you can make shit up. So I would, I made up a lot of fashion, like in that world, yes. and like different kinds of cloth, and and you know yes. how it feels, and but it was really important, and that's a way of getting a character too. So there's these two contrasting moments of Lando getting dressed and Han getting dressed much later in the book. And mm-hmm. Lando's getting dressed for a party, and he's, like, picking out his cape and, you know, getting everything. So pop, he's pop, sharper than a motherfucker. They let me talk about his bulge. <laughs> <laughs> they let me have a line in a Star wait, Wars wait, book. Wait, 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 yes. wait, 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 wait. Lando's bulge is a thing. So we talking about how Lando out here packing. Packing. In the, in the, well, and in the Star ass. Wars streets. And his ass. What? Literally. Yes, it says the word ass. Wait, yes. see, now I'm like, I'm mad I didn't even get that deep in the Wow. No, it's the first scene of him, young Lando, is him getting dressed. Yo, He's like getting ready for a party. Disney Wildin', they let you be Disney. sexual and shit. This is great. This is bulge. fantastic. And he fucking that Twilight. Oh, <laughs> baby. I don't know if I'm allowed to say any of this. It's too late. This is on tape. Ooh. Okay, wait. Okay. Oh my gosh. That really made me hot. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> let me fan myself. But wait. Um, like I said, you have so many. I keep telling you about your writing style. It's so expressive and yeah. it's so great. And you have all these different stories. You know, one you have Shadow Shaper and you have all these just mm-hmm. beautiful, colorful characters that have huge, like, ramifications mm-hmm. and, and ripple effects to the other characters that mm-hmm. interact with them. How do you contain that when you're trying to write different stories? For example, how do you mm-hmm. manage to not let shadow shaper thoughts leak into <laughs> last shot thoughts leak into everything else. No, for real though, that's really hard. That's like really one of the hardest parts. It's yeah. not that they leak, it's that it's hard to switch gears. So like mm. when I wrote last shot, I was I had just finished Dactyl Hill Squad. Mm-hmm. And Dactyl Hill Squad takes place in it's first of all it's for middle grade readers, so 8 to 12 year olds. Yeah. Second, so it's as far away from adult as you can get, besides picture books. Second of all, it takes place in 1863, Brooklyn, with dinosaurs. Yes. So there's dinosaurs running around. It's the Civil War era. It's Brooklyn, and it's a bunch of little kids, like 10, 12-year-olds, running around the city, flying pterodactyls around. Oh, that shit shit is so hot. That shit is so dope. It's so dope. It's It's so That is the most fun I've ever had writing a book. And I I say that about a lot of books, but that really is it. Um, So I I wrote that, and then I switched gears to write Last Shot. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I finished last shot, and immediately I had edits for Dactyl Hill. So I had to jump back and forth like a couple times. And then I literally, right after that, had edits for last shot. So I was switching gears, and it was maddening. Like, it was really hard wow. to do. That is literally the hardest thing to do, because you just have to be like, wait, yeah. um, different focus. Even though there's a lot of crossover in my books. And if you read my books, you know, you'll feel the different themes that stretch through everything. But... It's different. You know, it's a different yeah. world. And Star Wars is not 1863 Brooklyn. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. So it was hard. All I can say is it was really it was hard. hard. So, and it, yeah. so what did you do? And, and, and not just for that particular instance, but just in general. Like, what do you do to keep yourself focused on a task? Like, I know some people use certain methods. Um, right. I think it's the Pomodoro technique. Like, no that's one technique where it's like, I don't know exactly what it is, so please, guys, don't scare me. But it's a situation where, like, you write for, like, 20 minutes and you, you, you rest. Oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, do that's that. probably like, cool. Yeah. Like, stuff like that. But right. do you have, like, a... a Weighed about doing things? I do. Uh, this is what I've learned. Like, 
my main thing that helps me through that actually is that I will sit down and not write first. The first thing you do is like, you, first of all, you set up shit. What you don't want to do is just kind of slide into it and be like, oh, I guess I might write today. Eh, maybe I'll put down a word or two and then go do something else. And then, you know, like you really want to decide, like, I'm all right. And that's hard to do. Very. It's very hard to do. Very. I know you know. I know. You know I know. It's oh, hard. Because it, <laughs> the world is telling you you shouldn't be doing that. You don't have time. You're not a writer. All these horrible garbage things that they put in our head, um, especially when we're not white men. Like, there's a million different messages telling us that writing is an indulgent exercise, right? Yeah. Or whatever. So first thing you have to do, and I, you know, I always say, like, writing begins with forgiveness. Like, mm. That really is it. And it's self-forgiveness. That's who you forgive have to be forgiven. Which is fucked up because you probably didn't do anything wrong. But that's actually, that's, that's why you have to forgive but yourself. But you feel right? guilty. Like, just right. W- right. when you're writing, whether it's like you do an assignment or you're writing for yourself, you, you sit there and you inherently feel guilty. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I should be doing more. Or, I sh- right, I should have written yesterday. Motherfucker, you didn't. Get over it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. Like, you're not helping anybody by being like, yeah, whoosh, whoosh. You know, yeah, like, yeah, that's yeah, not, yeah. That's not productive. But we're trained that that's somehow going to make us a better person. Whatever bullshit. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So you have to let that go. Um, and that's hard. Um, but that also means being really intentional. So you sit down, like you put on the music you like, you make yourself a cup of coffee or tea or whatever, and you take a second. And you make yourself like really sit through like a whole song mm. and just listen to it. And so, because you don't want to just, besides, you, you don't want to just slide into it kind of like whatever, but you also don't want to rush into it. Be like, oh my God, I got it right. Okay, let me just get words on the page, words on the page. Like, calm the fuck down, slow it down. Hopefully, you give yourself enough time that you can get so you, you know, and I know time is hard and it's a commodity, but if you can take a minute and just calm down hmm. and forgive yourself and listen to a song. And then the next thing that I do, which really helps me, and everyone's process is different. Um, is that I will just unload onto a page, just like a blank page that I'll then delete or something. Um, just whatever I'm feeling. Just okay. write. You know, it's called a, um, what's it called? Free write, right? Mm-hmm. Just go. Like, just, this is how I feel. This is what I'm going to write about. This is, I'm not so into it today. Man, I think this, I think that. And then if you don't delete it, it means you have an ongoing record of sort of like your process. Mm. And like you can use it to work out plot points. You can think through whatever you need to think through. You know, you can yeah. just get shit off your chest. Yeah. It's really, really helpful. And it means you make friends with the page. And so mm. the page isn't looking at you like, the fuck you going to write? Why haven't you written yet? Where that, were you yesterday, bitch? You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a major thing because yes. the, the blank page is very intimidating. Yes. It's exactly. like you know exactly. you have that something blinking. to do. And if you think about it, most people's relationship to the blank page is vis-a-vis school assignments. Yes. Which is annoying or intimidating or terrifying. You know, take your pick. But if you start to develop a relationship with the blank page that's more based on friendship, Mm -hmm. where you're actually being intimate with it and giving it your deeper thoughts, that's a whole other relationship. And then that can carry over into the process and the creation of story. Hmm. So... You know, we, we've had such a beautiful discussion just about where you at right now, where you're going. I think we got to know what's next. Like, what's up next? My, like, after this, I feel like my whole life just becomes Dactyl Hill Squad. And not just because the book is coming out, but because mm-hmm. I'm really in love with that world. Um, like, I didn't, I wasn't a Civil War buff until suddenly I was. And really what happened was I was reading a book by Leslie Harris. It's called In the Shadow of Slavery. And it's about New York during... Civil War era. Okay. And it was talking about the Colored Orphans Asylum, which was up in Midtown and was burnt down during the Civil War draft riots by a racist mob. Like, the Civil War draft riots were very racialized, but we kind of don't tell that story about it. I Um, know about it, too. You're telling me now. Yeah, a a lot of black folks were targeted and killed by mobs, and their businesses were burnt down. And that's actually how Brooklyn, partially how Brooklyn became black. Because folks would flee Manhattan, the racist violence of Manhattan, and set up communities like Weeksville, Crow Hill, mm-hmm. 
um, one called Pigstown. Weeksville, you know, has a cultural center. Yeah, still. we 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 had our Crown Wakanda. Part of that, uh, the oh, whole cool. series was at Weeksville, oh, where we dope. take the kids there and learn oh, about it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. So those are really important. Those were autonomous Black communities. Yeah. Back in the back in the day. Right. And that's partially because there was racist violence in Manhattan. Right. So that shit was fascinating. But also there was this group. Uh, there was a family of Cuban kids dropped off at that orphanage, and left, and then suddenly whisked away again, and no one knew anything about it. No one knew why, or what they did, or anything. It was just this little like footnote in history. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, you're like, you, you want to explore that? Well, I was like, Cubans, hey, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? like, Miente. yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> totally, because we always looking for ourselves, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that's a very deep down and real instinct to try to find yourself, especially when you're a kid of color and you couldn't for so long, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So, I saw myself in history, and then I was like, what else did we do? Yeah. Where else were we? There was Cubans running around Crow Hill, um, like doing divination and all this cool shit that I started to find out about. Um, and then to expand that lens and say, what were people of color doing in that time? One of the reasons nobody in our community generally has given that much of a fuck about the Civil War for so long is because it's generally shown to us as you know, two white armies just clashing over the issue of slavery, right. people of color, uh, black people specifically as passive entities. To mm-hmm. be saved, right? Even in Twelve Years a Slave, like someone. I don't even know if we really entities at that point. You know, we were right. objects, literally property, yeah. right? But even in the like so-called liberal presentations of it, there's no active actors None. except maybe you know Douglas and like Crispus Attucks. <laughs> <Is that laughs> no, that's the back. revolutionary that's back. Yeah, that's back. That's back. <laughs> but Frederick Douglass had two yeah. sons that fought in the Union Army. Yeah, and there were t- almost two hundred thousand black soldiers in the Union Army. But the only takeaway we get is Glory, which is a movie that basically shows like everybody dying at the end. Spoiler. Yeah. But like it makes it look like everybody just died. And like that movie. Oh my God, it's still sad. Man, look, it's sad, but there's happy stories. That's what I'm trying to say. Like there's, there's stuff there's, in between. There's stuff. There's there were two hundred thousand soldiers, like black men who fought for the union, who were fighting a war of liberation, not just a like a political war about keeping the union together, who were going down south to like free their brothers. Like that's a whole story that like Ta-Nehisi speaks about it some, which is mm-hmm. dope, and now we're starting to talk about it. But, like, that's the front of the war that, like, we don't see. Mm. And when we see it, it's just a tragedy. And that, like, we don't need more stories about how tragic life is right, for right. people of color or queer folks or anything. We know it's tragic. Or, like, have the tragedy, but let us know that we can win sometimes, too, because we did. Right. Like, we won all kinds of things throughout history. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that really lit me up because I was just like, wow, when you see yourself as a protagonist in history, that changes your whole relationship to history. Yeah. And then I just love dinosaurs. So I threw dinosaurs in there too. Yeah. And like, you know, so that's where it comes from. But I just love that world. And that's what it's going to be. Like, that's, that's, it's going to be expansive. It's so big in my mind and in a way that just keeps opening and opening more doors. I just finished the sequel and they end up down south in the front lines of the Civil War. Um, and it gets really real because wow. shit is real. But it's, it's, like it's for the kids. How to Train Your Dragon meets real it life. Really is not, it really is. How to Train Your Dragon to fight in they, the Civil they War. Fly on a giant, <laughs> they have a giant pteranodon, which is like a huge t- uh, pterodactyl. Which one is, oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah, so they're flying around on that. Um, and she's badass, Stella. And like, yeah, they're just doing all kinds of cool shit. It's just so much fun to That's write. That's so cool. Yeah, it's really fun. I need, first of all, yeah. I need an invite to the premiere of Solo. When you go, because you're going. So I need one too. So. Oh well, <laughs> you need to go talk to whoever you need to talk to. You got it. Put in the word. Uh, so, Mabel King, you have survived this internet, the internet, <laughs> the interview. But you know it's not over. Okay, what are we doing? Oh no, the flash, flash, flash card question. Oh my what God, you really haven't been here long. Oh Jesus, how dare you? The brap segment. Brap. 
There it is. Okay. Remember, we actually used your sound effect for a quite for like a long time. Oh no. Like cool. you had said brap like that. Oh really? And we just kept like adding <laughs> reverbs to it and echoes. We used it for like six months. Oh, by the way, I'm on the let the people know. I'm on the audiobook of Last Shot. Oh yes. Yeah. That's I don't right. Do the main story, but yes. I do the Han backstory. And the guy that does the main story, Mark Thompson, is a genius. Yes. It sounds like Harrison Ford was in the studio. I, I saw the pictures of you when you were in the booth oh, yeah, recording yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, and I thought that was it so down dope. In New Orleans. It was so much fun. It was really fun to read, but let me tell you, the dude that does the main story is a genius. Like, you really feel like it's a movie. And they do sound effects and music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just feel like you're in a movie. Like, it's so cool. Well, most of the best things about movies is the sound itself. The so sound is amazing. The so audio. It's like, it's like pew, pew, pew. Really? <laughs> like, so oh, okay. So you guys, you guys, not, after you listen to the interview, get the audio book and listen to they that. It. And then January Lavoy um, did the Lando backstory sections. Um, Beautiful. Really cool, um, yeah, she's a vocal artist. And, yeah, dope. Yeah. It's good. It's good shit. Oh, you living a life, sir. I am. I'm happy. You living a life. So, so yes, let's go to the brap segment real quick. I know some of these might sound familiar to oh, you. Boy. Some of these might be new. All right. Stop All right. Us. So. He walks. <laughs> I'm just going to make a list. Ewoks <laughs> or Twi'leks? <laughs> really? Really. Oh, shit. Twi'leks. Black Panther or Killmonger? Black Panther. Metropolis or Gotham? Gotham. Mike Myers, Freddy, or Jason? Uh, Freddy. Wakanda or Zamunda? Wakanda. Fresh Prince or Martin? <laughs> Fresh Prince. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you Star Wars or Star Trek because I'm not going to try to embarrass anybody. <laughs> um, what's your favorite superhero movie of all time? Ooh, wow. Before I answer that, I know there's a flash section, but let me just say that I actually, <laughs> uh, <laughs> let me just go on a mini rant. I, I, I have to stand down from something because I've for the longest, and I'm sure I said it on your show, I haven't really fucked with superheroes. Yeah. I haven't. And this year really changed that. Like Spider-Man Homecoming was phenomenal. Thank you. Black Panther was phenomenal. Ant-Man was good. What the fuck? Thank you. I was ready to shade the shit out of Ant-Man, but it was great. So which one out of those? Black Panther. Okay, very good. I like it. Um, but Homecoming is a close second. Homecoming is so Which good. Is so they actually did it right, but it, and it took an effort of both both they Fox and Marvel for it to work. Um, who was your first geek crush? Mm. Cartoons, movies, video games, whatever. Books. Uh, is, does Left Eye count? Sure. I think she liked anime. I don't she know. Was actually, she was a nerd. She yeah, was she was into nerd. it. She so. had like a um, concept album, I think, that didn't come out or was about to. Really? Be, yeah, that's like sci-fi, like Afrofuturist. Oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. Um, look it up, because I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I might no, be no, wrong, I but, right. but le yeah. left eye. Okay. But also, I had another one. Who was it? I'll think of it. Okay. Yeah, we'll go with that for now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like your answer changes, because I think we, we've asked you this before, Probably. but <laughs> what's your favorite Wesley Snipes movie? Oh, oh, mm, you did ask me that. I yeah. think I got it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> There's no right or wrong, do you? Um, I don't, Blade? Blade, oh, Passenger yeah. 57, yeah, uh, Blade. New Jack City, Too Wong Fu. I think it's Blade. I think it's Blade. I don't really Which have Blade? one. The first one. Okay. <laughs> don't actually, say, I've only seen the first don't one. Don't say Trinity. As long as you no, don't I've say I've only Blade seen Trinity. the first one. I feel like there's a better answer to that that I'm not thinking of right now, but we'll go with that for now. White Man Can't Jump. Oh, I do love that <laughs> Although, I don't know if it holds up. Listen, I don't know. I don't know. Speaking Whatever works for you. that hold up, you know what was really fucking funny still? What? 
Spaceballs. I love Spaceballs. Spaceballs is hilarious. Spaceballs, I can say word for word, line for line. That is my, oof, that's my shit. I hadn't seen it for like more than a decade. So I thought, first of all, and I saw it eight million times more than a decade ago. So I didn't think it would be funny anymore. No, it's I, still funny. It's funny as fuck. It's when still ridiculous. That whole thing ridiculous. with ludicrous speed, I lost <laughs> my shit. I literally fell on my floor. Like it was over. It was ludicrous over. speed. I couldn't breathe. I had to stop the movie. Ludicrous speed, <laughs> comb in the desert. Yes. Uh, we didn't found shit. <laughs> The the the, the um, what do you say the things been jammed and the jam. You know, I what, got the bleeps, the sweeps, the creeps, the, and the, all that. That is amazing. But you know what didn't hold up as well? Austin Powers too. I ain't nobody looking for Austin Powers, sir. First of all, fat phobic as shit, and like Sur- super. really like really messed up, and just it wasn't as funny as I thought. I remember like dying when I was a kid. I don't. What? <laughs> I don't remember dying well, when I there saw you go. that. <laughs> all right, um, next. All right, so we got uh, just a couple more to go. We'll be mm-hmm. done. Uh, what character's death in any medium hurt you the most? Oh, um, was it, not Falcor, because it was the horse. Who's the horse in? Sick. In uh, Never Any Story, when when they go into the swamp and it's a I rat. don't know nothing about Never Any Story. Oh, really? Uh, Artex. Artex? Artex, no! Anyway, it's like. <laughs> That's the one. Oh, it hurts so bad. It still hurts. Okay. Ah! Comic books or hip hop? <laughs> one gotta go. What do you choose? The entire history of either comic books or either hip hop? Has to be erased. You must oh, pick one. Shit. Which has to go? Which has to go. Oh, comic books. Okay. Yeah. And finally, if you can have any one superpower, what would it be? Oh, yeah. You've asked me that before. Mm-hmm. I think I always say flying. How cool You could change your answer. I would t- I'd be able to talk to dinosaurs. Oh, very. Oh, so you're going to be like the Aquaman of dinosaurs? <laughs> like <laughs> That's actually in, in Dr. Paleo Man? That's what know. the girl can do. That's her superpower. She has the ability to psychically connect to dinosaurs. Oh, that's what's up. Yeah, this little Cuban girl in the orphan asylum. Maggie in Dactyl Hill. In Dactyl Hill. And she figures it out like in the beginning. She's like, holy shit, they listen to me when I'm thinking towards them. And so she Whoa. has. The, she's like the best dino wrangler in the world. You're blowing my mind right now, I'm Daniel. Saying. I'm about to go to the store, hey. uh, excuse me, Amazon, put yes. in my pre-orders Pre-order for this shit. stuff. Dactyl I'm getting the audio book. Yes. Um, I already have last shot. I'm going to go home and finish reading it. Please let me know what you think. In the meantime, please let the internet know where they can find you. You can find me on, really, you can just, who are we kidding? Twitter. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I'm on Instagram. I don't do it enough. I'm on Facebook. Fuck Facebook. In the face. Like, fuck Facebook. Fuck Facebook in the face, right? Like, yeah. it's taken me everything not to just cancel it, but it's still handy to have as a writer. To remind you of people's birthdays. No, to remind people that I put a book out. That's it. Like, I guess. <laughs> to well, people. you're talking about your, your, your page, I guess. Yeah, I don't fucking know. I, fuck Facebook. Um, <laughs> Um, <laughs> fuck them all. But uh, Twitter's really where I'm at. I'm trying to be better at Tumblr, but I'm failing. So I'm on Tumblr. If you ain't if you ain't have it now, you ain't gonna get it. Then just leave it alone. <laughs> just leave it alone. The Grand Duchess of <laughs> Tech has just put me in. Just, just me, the Grand Duchess of Tech. Stick, no, stick with Twitter, okay? okay yes, stick I'm on Twitter, Twitter. DJ Older at DJ Older. That's that's where you can find me. I'm quite active. Excellent. Yes. All right, fam bros, you heard it here. Daniel Jose Older. Hey. Make sure you get that book, The Last Shot. It's, it's not. Just, it's just, it's last, just shot. last Shot, but I call it The Last <laughs> Shot. The Han and Lando story. Indeed. Lando. Um, make sure you hit him up, and we'll be back with more fan bros. Hey. Anyway, okay, cool. Hey, I'm Letitia Wright, and when I'm not the princess of Wakanda or MC battling people as MC baby underbite, I am listening to fan rolls.
And welcome back, y'all. And I know you've been enjoying, loving this episode. You know, thank you, Tatiana, for holding us down. You know, I mean, it's, you know, he's a friend of the show, you know. Used to it, you know, he's been here. And Daniel, I will continue to call it the last shot whenever I freaking feel like it. Don't tell oh, me anything man. about this. Oh, yeah, make sure you cop that book. It's last <laughs> shot, right? It's not the- It's not, I call it the last <laughs> shot, but it is just last shot. Hey, I'm still saying Infinity Wars, so. Oh, that's what I was just about to say. I'm so glad you put an S on. I am black, so. There's no S, right? That's about that Z-Palm who's leading the black people stop saying Infinity Wars. Stop saying Infinity Wars. Stop saying Valentine's Day. Oh. You know what? I Yeah, that has to stop. Times? It's not the time. His name is Valentine. This man's mama did not name him Times. <laughs> oh my gosh. The the first incident for me is that anyone in DC knows this club is a dream. And when people were calling it dreams, and I was just like, <laughs> hey, that's just wrong. That's just wrong. It is dream. It is. Dream. <laughs> it's dream. It's, it's I mean, no, it's, it's no S on the end. What is with the plurality? There's no they S. Love. And they weren't calling it loves. Loves. No, they didn't call it loves. I, I give them that. But it was straight up and down dreams. You going to dreams? I got the pneumonias. What? 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 Questions we asked ourselves. And speaking of questions, folks, how you like that segue right there? It's time for the geek when we ask questions. That's right. The guac is extra. And what do we have up tonight? We have first from, or the only, from Indie Idealists. They write, my wife and I have been having a debate over which body modifications we think are better. <laughs> okay. or, organic, such as mutation or gene editing, versus mechanical, such as bionic prosthetics, nanobots, etc. Both have issues. With gene edits, you don't fully understand how all the on and off switches in our genes affect each other and the long-term consequences of messing with them. With the mechanical alterations, you run the risk of becoming obsolete as newer tech is created, or if you don't keep up with the latest software updates. What do you think is the trait is the case, and what do you prefer? That's a good ass question. That Damn is. sure is. Uh, y'all y'all date night, y'all date nights are lit, boy. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's a deep ass question. Mm, see, okay. I think there's clearly pitfalls with both. You indie idealists already rounded out most of them, really. From the organic side, you're just talking about the fact that when it comes to science, we have proven time and time again, look at all the movies thereof, that we keep effing-ish up because we're humans and we don't got it together. So organic, I feel like you're always going to run the risk of you pop out with the, with the fifth eye over here. Like something's going to go wrong that you don't F with. Same with mechanical, but maybe because I, I I'm also love futurism and, and, and I see myself as a futurist, I'm more drawn to mechanical side because I feel like, yeah, if you don't keep up malware and viruses, all that stuff. But I also feel like when you get to a, a point in the future where unless the malware is also evolving as fast as the tech, I don't see how that's going to become an issue. And also you're in a space where if you... If you were a, a nebula, for instance, you can take pieces in and out at will. So mm, it kind of almost like a scrapper yourself. Like you can sit there and build yourself, update yourself. And I feel like if you of of the level mentally where you're putting in your own bionics, then you got to be ready to face the consequences and face the 
the things you have to do in order to protect yourself mechanically or technologically. So personally, I'm all for the mechanic um, body modifications. Hmm. I, I think I'm going to lean with the combo button. I think you got to get both of them in there because I think you got to get like the nanobots who are doing the gene modifications. That's, you know, my mm. thing. Like, I, I think in the long run, it's done, that's where we're going to go towards. It's not like a cheat code. Hey, you know, those <laughs> plays because that's sometimes you got to pull the cheat code to win the game. And I'm going for the win. So W, that's my choice. Wow, that that, that was pretty, this is pretty tough. Um, see, the, the, the one one thing about growing naturally with your genetic modification is that you don't have to worry about foreign agents. So right. how, how metal interacts with your body, the fact, like, let's say, for example, I'm a cyborg, so I'm half cybernetic. If you let off an EMP, half my body shut down right. automatically. So I'm not really dealing with that if I have a genetic mutation, unless you have a way to shut down my genetic mutation. With, right. There's easier ways to shut down mechanics than genetic mutations. But with with the the biotics, I'm thinking like back to Mass Effect and whatnot. Right. Biotics, you can always upgrade them. You can always improve on them. But if you have a power, like if you, if like I'm thinking of gold balls from X-Men. If your power is just to make fucking gold balls of different <laughs> sizes and throw it at people. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> were, no, no, no. I mean, I, I, I might have missed those issues. There was a dude named Gold Ball. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. He was actually a part of um, Secret Warriors. What? Yeah, gold balls. Is this nineties or no? No, it was early two thousands. Part of the original Secret Warriors run with um. Oh, not New Warriors. I was thinking New Warriors. Okay, Secret Warriors. Okay, you're thinking of Speedball, like not gold balls. So like that was like his power, and then he like went away for a few months, and literally Nick Fury was like, "Yo, you gotta get in shape. You don't know how to use your shit." Wow. Yeah, I'm looking at a Google right now, and yeah. A, mute, a mutant with a superhuman ability to project at high speed gold color balls made of an unknown substance right. and of different sizes from any part of his body. So he's basically a mutant version of the fucking playpen that you go to in Chuck E. Cheese and you play around <laughs> them shits and he can throw them shits at you, right? So, so I'm thinking, okay, do I deal with the hand that I got dealt or do I deal with these implants that augment my abilities that I can always upgrade. And at first I was leaning towards the, the mechanical, mm-hmm. but to me, if you, if you do with the genetic modifications, you know, eventually, you know, fuck it. I'm going to go with the, <laughs> with the biotics, right? Because I was going to go with the genetics, but the difference to me, the deal breaker is when you get to a certain age, your powers are going to diminish. Just like how with men and testosterone, as you get older, you lose that. So you may not be able to get in shape as quickly unless you're using outside testosterone or you're taking HGH or that shit. Mm. You won't be able to have the same vigor that you did in your 20s and your 30s. But if you're using biotics or cybernetic implants or any type of foreign agent, it doesn't matter how old you are. The power level is still going to remain the same. So given all of that, my my conclusion based off of non-research, <laughs> the uh, cybernetic implants, like machine over genetics. 
right. I, I, I mean, that is a fantastic question, definitely. And I love your answers, but I still think, you know, I, and even after you said what you said, Jeff, I got to go even further because like you said, it's like, I'd rather take, you know, the nanobots giving me some mutant powers and then have that permanent in my body and the nanobots get out of my body and then I'm straight. I know? mean, those shots, I wasn't trying to cheat. I know. <laughs> I know. Hey, hey, you got to do what you got to do to win sometimes. Throw that cheat code in there. I'm mad at you. Yeah, you know, shout out. So thank you for that question. You know, great question right there. If you have any other questions for us, you can always hit us up. Contact at fanbros.com or you can hit us on the Twitter, on the Instagram at fanbrosshow. Anywhere on the internet at fanbrosshow. Hit us up, send us your questions. Don't have to be about geek stuff. Can be about anything at all. It's the geekly asked questions. And sadly, that's it for tonight. But, you know, we do have some other great stuff going on tonight because it is Comics Psychot. That's weird doing that on video because everybody's seeing me, like, you know, do the extra. <laughs> they don't hear the extra. So it's like, you know, but hey, it's shout out to everybody out there copping their comments using the hashtag comics I copped. Thank you for that. This weekend was free comic book day and it was super lit, as you can see. Mm -hmm. Oh snap! Oh, Wait, so what you got there? I see Avengers. What else? Okay, yeah, we got the new Avengers, which is kicking off Jason Aaron's run. Um, I, I wasn't, I wasn't blown away by this. Um, I don't know. I it, this is just a preview, though. It's not the whole, you know, like issue. Right, right. So, what's about, so what's the next one? The next one is the world's greatest cartoonist, which features a whole bunch of different, you know, shorts from various cartoonists. I posted one of these on my twitter today dj ben i mean where they were talking about how a woman back a princess back in the 1600s I, I, yeah that's something i'll just leave for my uh twitter you can go read about that on there i also what got else you got <laughs> Ooh, got dark real quick in here um that was the oh, yeah man. overwatch you know they dropped a comic this is also a reprint you know free comic book day they like to give you old stuff but i had not read this before so this features the homegirl zarya and was pretty dope. Not mad at this at all. Uh, some other stuff right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Transformers Unicron right here. Fit kits off. They're actually ending the whole run of Transformers, which has been going on from what I understand, like 14 years. I was going to say, I didn't even know it was still happening. Yo, the uh, IDW has had the license for like 10, 14 years, something like that. And they've been printing comics. And yeah. some of these are really dope. Like... I don't personally read them, but people talk about them like as being some of the best comic books out. Like, wow. yeah, there was this one series, uh, the name slips my mind. It's like Transformers something. More than CI. More than CI, yeah. The Transformers More than CI. And people always talk about that, how that joint is super fire. Like, did you read it, Jeff? Nah, but I've I've heard I've heard so much about it. Like um my, my guy D Palm, he's been like the champion. Like mm -hmm. Like they IDW needs to cut him a check. Like I'm not even playing because he champions this. Like and, and as a kid, I love Transformers. So at Hell some yeah. point, I have to go back and read it because this is this is like giving them purpose, giving them like characteristics of what we what we loved as a kid, but taking it to a whole other level where mm -hmm. it's not even about the earth anymore. It's about them as a community, which yep. is crazy. Like fucking robots as a community and shit like why not <laughs> you know what i mean why not no i can't remember who recommended it to me but i've heard the same thing transformers more to meet ci 
And this is the end of the whole run of all the books, Transformers Unicron. It features, you know, as the title says, Unicron, Unicron coming through, whooping that ass. But this has like everything in it because they've combined like the Transformers universe, the MASH universe, the G.I. Joe universe, the ROM universe. So in this issue, ROM's home world gets destroyed by Unicron and ROM and some of the other space knights are the only ones left. And then Unicron's on that rampage. So, you know, pretty interesting. Definitely worth checking out. Now, big one this week is The Amazing Spider-Man, the new return of Nick Spencer writing the book, and Ryan Otley, one of my favorite artists who'd been doing Invincible for umpteen years and is now free and is working on Spider-Man. So, yeah, that joint. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. Jeff, I know you're a big Nick Spencer fan. My problem is P Peter Parker is, like, broke again. I mean, you was who you was for you got here, bro. Like he been broke. Like he, you got to think about it. When he was making his money, it wasn't him. It was Otto Octavius. And the okay. fact of the matter is, when that whole superior Spider Man, Octavius really was like, Doctor Doctor Octopus told him, "You you made your life a hot line. <laughs> I'm making it a hot song because <laughs> he he saw that something was holding him back." from being the person that he should be. And he did that because he didn't have any scruples. He didn't have any ties to people. It was like, he, he was like, all right, great power, great responsibility, no doubt. But we get into this money though. We get into, yo, Peter Parker got a, a graduate degree or his doctorate because of Dr. Octopus. He was sitting on all this intelligence and didn't get it. Like he, he was smart enough. Like he, he, to think that this character, as rich of a character, had so much untapped potential. And that's why I would say I would always recommend Superior Spider-Man to anybody. Mm. Because it's, yes. it's, it's like a different take where Otto, the main reason why he's a hero is just to prove that he could be a better hero than Peter was. And, and how he can make being a hero efficient and smart and in his image. But... um. Yeah, like he lost his whole empire after um Secret Empire and then um now he's like back to to doing what he did as 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 a as a young um a young adult this is being I th I think he heads the science division. He heads the science division in um the the for the bugle. So he's like the mm -hmm. science editor. So any mm -hmm. type of science stuff that's going down and I'm I don't know if Nick is going to expand on that. But I mean, I'm interested in it. You know, I I can I can relate to being broke and working. <laughs> so so <laughs> he always has a soft spot for me. Yeah, no, I know you love Spider Man, and I love Ryan Ali. So I'm definitely gonna give the book a chance. There's an interesting twist at the end of the free comic book day that I won't give away yet because it's definitely part of what's gonna you know be expounded upon in later issues. And I you know I enjoyed it overall. So I'll be checking in on it again. But this week, oh my God. Oh my Ooh. god. Yeah. Uh, um, I walked into the store. Shout out to a shop called Quest out here in LA. That was the shop that I went to for free combo day. And I'm just looking through the store and I've been waiting on this book. This is the Black Monday Murders. This is the second trade paperback of it because I only read it in trade. Mm -hmm. And Black Monday Murders is written by Jonathan Hitman with art by Tom Coker. And basically it involves a story that tells a story about the idea that money is actually evil and money is actually funded by the devil pretty much. And there's like schools of thought and these schools of people who maintain control of the world, like a secret society type thing who control the world and have communicated with the devil and use secret rituals and stuff to influence money in all the world. 
And the book started, the very first issue started with the Wall Street crash and explained how the Wall Street crash was the result of these secret rituals and not the result of just like economics or whatever. Mm. And so, and then the book is features a black detective named Dumas who is investigating this and he's trying to get into the world, but he might even know something more about this world even before he gets into it. And I just got the second trade. It's like a real noir, like dark book, very horror at certain points, very ill, creepy, but Oh my God, I love it. Jonathan Hitman's one of my favorite writers out there, and Black Monday Murders is one of my favorite books. Definitely check it out. The second trade's out. Check the first trade and the second. Fire. Absolute fire. Oh my God. With Hickman, I definitely got to check that out. I got to. That sounds amazing, actually. I got a a couple that I checked out. Um, So Brian K. Vaughn came out with Barrier, Mm. comic book day. Yep. From what I'm gathering so far, it's it's like a tale of of like illegal immigrants and shit like that. And what's ill about it is I think half the comic book is in Spanish. So I try to read it late last night and then I turned to like page five and someone hit the sap button in my world. Transmitito por sap en español. So I was like, oh shit, this is lit. Now, mind you, I'm like semi-fluent. I'm not as fluent as I used to be, so I can understand it, but I can't read that shit at three o'clock in the morning. Four yeah. I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's no. I, I don't have time to read this in not my native language, but I think it's ill. There's no subtitles. Like you mm. gotta know Spanish or do the, do the, uh, get your Google Translate on it and, and follow along with it. And it's, it's similar to when he uses Esperanto in Saga. Yep. Where, where Esperanto is, is Latin based too, but you can kind of sort of get it if you don't look it up. But I thought that was good for enrichment. But there's like the from like the seventh page on, it's all Spanish, like all Spanish. And I was mm. just, damn, but it's supposed to be a part of a mini series. But I'm I'm interested to read it. Like I, I definitely am. Um and uh, Brian Bendis, Brian Michael Bendis, he ended his run because he's going to DC to write action comics. He ended his run on Spider-Man, Miles Morales' book, and that he he wrote his final issue for this week that released. And it was cool because it mirrored when, for those of you who don't know, I believe in December, he had gotten an infection and he was sick and he was in the hospital for a few weeks. And yeah. writers and people that he knew, famous, not famous, had, had come to the hospital to check on him. You know, he's in and out of consciousness. And he wrote that story of him in the hospital for miles mm. after, after his arc where he had an infection and all the people that he knew him was coming to check on him from his uncle Aaron to his family, to his best friend, Spider-Man himself, Peter Parker, a bunch of Tony Stark came through to check. Mm. And, it, and, and I didn't know that that was his story until I wrote, hit, read his letter at the end. So it was a good way to, to tie up because he's been on the book in one capacity or another for 18 years. Yep. And he's going to go do action comics and, and, and uh, work with DC. But I, I felt it was a good place to wrap it up. And it was cool knowing the personal connect connection. So whoever takes it over next, it, you know, you know, good luck. Right. Who's to fill. But that that book has been that book has been good. And also Batman's book. So 
a lot of people have been deeming it bat point. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So this right. point, like a flashpoint type thing going on? Yes and no. So, Booster Gold, if a lot of you don't know, like he is, he's a character from the future. He wanted to get Batman a gift for his wedding. So he decided his gift was going to be to go back in the past, stop oh, his parents from getting murdered so that he can appreciate the life. Like, it's almost like um, this is your life. The ghost of Christmas past, present, future. Leave Martha and Bruce. So he does this so that Batman oh. can appreciate it. And that was his gift. But everything is going to shit. And I, I'm personally, I love Booster Gold as a character. So just to see Tom King write him and it's like, He's an idiot. He's an idiot. <laughs> but okay, see that that's my one problem with it. and that goes back to like the whole Peter Parker being back to being broke again. That's my problem is I'm, I'm Nick Spencer I haven't done it yet, but Booster Gold has expanded a lot since being the Booster Gold that he's an idiot. Like he had his own series where he saved the universe countless times and Batman but, even thanked oh, him for it. Yeah, but the thing is it's not that he's reverting back to his idiocy. It's his it's I, I I forget the adjective to use, but I'll just I'll just walk it through and see if I get it right. He's still so brazen and so like he's so self-centered that he thinks that this is an idea because he's been a time master that he yep. thinks, oh I can flip a switch, do this, mm. and then once you awaken, I right, fuck it, I'll just go, I'll flip it again. But when but, but, leave Thomas and Martha alone, first of all. Like I I'm tired of stories with them, okay? Like, let them be dead and let that be the end of it. Cute with the whole, what if we go back and save them? Like, uh, we, I we, we're know. beyond that point where that where I care. Right, but I, it's not so much about them. It's a, it's, it's about Batman and a, and he wanted to give him an appreciation for what he had, but he didn't, he didn't anticipate that he may not want to go through all that drama. Yes. And, and he's and basically all the f the fuck ups are happening from there. At one 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 of the coolest things to come out of that series is he makes Catwoman a costume, and it's the Batman Returns costume. Yep. Oh, shit. So I just thought it was just hilarious because he doesn't know how to make a costume. He's like, yo, I just tried my best, and it's that costume. Shade. So um so yeah so those are those were the two that I read this week and along with um reading all of the free comic book day stuff it's the most wonderful time of the year mm -hmm. so, um yeah uh, it's it's an yeah. exciting exciting time and I'm just going to quickly insert one this wasn't a title for free comic book day but it's an ongoing title that started in March Oblivion Song by Robert Kirkman yep. and Lorenzo De Felici work yeah. Um, so I actually, a few months ago, interviewed Robert and the rest of the creative crew on the Oblivion song. Basically, the story goes one year, uh, 10 years ago, just ran literally randomly, Philly, the entire city was transported or maybe half of the city was transported to an alternate dimension known as the Oblivion. So I think they say it was about 300K people just disappeared out of nowhere what they were was transported to this dimension where pretty much everything is it's a hellscape so every creature plant living being whatever you want to call it is completely adverse to humans it's not the place you want to be it's not this hot spot okay just to put it simply and it 
follows the um, a few characters who are able to go back and forth between dimensions and try to save people from oblivion. And then what happens throughout their travels there. It's a very, very well, well um, written story. And also the art is pretty insane. Lots of creature characters, lots of um, um, the color is amazing. The, the, the penciling is amazing as well. So it's definitely a title I would say to pick up, check it out, especially if you're a Kirkman fan. Word. And he also just recently ended Invincible. Like we said, that's why Ryan Outley is over doing Spider-Man now. Right. So this is his new big series. So definitely check it out. I'm sure, you know, Kirkman pretty much has delivered on everything he's ever done as far as like, especially his independent stuff, Invincible, Walking Dead, yeah. uh, Thief of Thieves. I mean, he, you know, he's on a hit. So I'm going to check out. I've, I've read the first three issues that we got, but, you know, I'm definitely going to be on Oblivion Song. And to everyone out there, thank you as always for using that hashtag comics I copped. Please keep using it. Let us see what you're doing out there. Everyone using it. Thank you. And, you know, in some comic related news, but, you know, not exactly comics. After, you know, the infinity fade, after the heartbreak, you know, it's not that time. No time to cry, child. You know, we had the Ant-Man and the Wasp trailer dropping this week. And, yo, I, I can't even lie. Yo, Marvel, it's like, they just... There's no touching them. There's absolutely no touching them when it comes to superhero films, comic book adaptations, whatever title you want to use. There is no touching Marvel at, at really, I'm going to say at any point, once they put in motion the idea of the MCU and had laid out the plan. And for me, it makes sense. Put a plan in place and follow through with it. Obviously, you're going to have to make adjustments as you chart your course, but do that and do it smartly. They've made adjustments when it comes to the technology used in filming these shows, these movies. They've made adjustments in directors and writers and things like that. They've crafted it as the times have changed. And again, they they have a blueprint that they've steady followed and generally have not made a misstep. So that's why there's absolutely no touching Marvel at this point. I mean, basically. Yeah. But that trailer, though. Yeah, I mean, the trailer. <laughs> okay. So I'm actually, I was, a, and a lot of people were on the fence, but I've always, not always, but I was generally a fan of the first Ant-Man movie. I thought it was funny and comedic. Yes, there were some slight issues here and there, but I accepted it as it was. I liked it. I liked the characters. I liked the, the character choices and the cast. I have no issues with it. So to see this continue on with the Ant-Man and the Wasp, I had a blast just watching the trailer. Usually the trailers, you're kind of like, okay, you could still be on the fence because they try not to show you too much. But after watching the trailer, I was all in. It looks fun. It looks entertaining. It looks like one of those Easter egg type of movies that I tend to like where you sit there and you say, okay, why did they choose to go in this direction? What are the little things in each scene that I'm going to miss that are going to make me want to see this movie again or pay more attention to it or whatever the case may be. This looks like one of those movies where I've engaged. And as a moviegoer, lots of times movie is a passive movie watching rather is a passive experience, but I like to be engaged and be um, also within action as I'm watching a movie. I like to sit there and try to understand what's happening, think about all the things that are happening on screen and then start my analysis as I'm watching. So Ant-Man the Wasp trailer, seeing everything flying around and the choices they made, like enlarging Pez dispensers and things like that, like that, that that's fun to me. And to see lots of common items being used in different ways, in different creative ways, they had me. They just really just had me by the end of that trailer. 
All right. Did we lose Jeff Jader? No, um, no, no, he's still there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, bro, I was being respectful, but I can chime in right now. Oh, please uh, do, sir. It, it looks like a heist movie. It looks fun. It's definitely the, the cool down match before the main event that we yeah. needed from Marvel because Infinity War was type heavy. And I, I feel like Ant-Man and the Wasp is going to be that fun movie that we can watch. And I, I think because Marvel and the MCU has raised the bar so much with their movies within the comic book, quote unquote, comic book movie space. Yes. Um, Every movie doesn't have to be the greatest movie ever. There can be good movies. There can mm -hmm. be solid movies. Yeah, you may only watch it once. That's fine. It doesn't diminish from what their effect they're going to do because these movies are all within different genres. Guardian of the Galaxy is sci-fi. You know, um, Winter Soldier and the Captain America film. Captain America 1 was a war movie. Captain a Winter Soldier was a spy flick. You know what I mean? Civil War was action-adventure. So yeah. there's different... There's different categories, and that's just in general with comic movies. They fulfill different genres. So this shit, Emma and the Wasp looks like Fast and the Furious with powers. And, and sign me up, take my money, and don't say anything. Just play the movie. Right. You know, and I feel like I can have a good time, have fun, and just watching to see if there's going to be anything else that they allude to from what happened in Infinity War. Oh, yeah. Enough to keep me... Yo, it's so ill how MCU is doing it. For those who watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they tied directly to Infinity War. Mm. They tied directly to it, like, to the point where there's a character who could have potentially beat Thanos, but they took him out in time to let him know, yo, Earth is under attack. But we can't go there right now. Like, it's cool. Like, they've tied everything together for this moment. So for them to tie how they're going to tie Ant-Man and the Wasp and even Captain Marvel when it comes out next year, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to have fun. I, we deserve it. We need it. Because mm -hmm. Infinity War rattled my nerves. <laughs> my last nerve. And I'm, I'm ready to woosaw and have some fun. Word and also start Evangeline Lily is the wasp and you know. Oh, that's your home girl. I mean, that's lost. You know that goes bad. That is like, and I just love her. I think she's a great actress. I think she portrays that tough ass chicken. I love the shot in the trailer when she's flipping through the car and changing sizes. Yeah. I love how they're giving her all the abilities of the wasp. Wasp is also a dope character. Her and wasp reminds me of the animated The Avengers show wasp. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. It, it really, she really embodies at least what I felt about that character: the 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 height and agility, the cleverness, the the play, the foil to um. Hang, well, at the time, like it, it's really good how they're they've matched up Evangeline with this character. Mm -hmm. And also, the villain in this movie is the ghost. And this is another one of those moments for me where it's like, I can't believe I'm seeing Ghost on screen yeah. because he's become more popular now. But I remember him as an Iron Man villain way back in the day. And he was just a random ass villain. He was ill, though, because he was Ghost and he killed this other character in this one issue where he really fucked me up because I mean, he like just murdered this dude viciously. And it was like, damn, like, and it was one of the things because he could phase through walls. So basically, he gave this one guy his ability to phase. And then when the dude was halfway through the wall, he was like, ah, I'm good. Right. And took it off him and murdered this dude like that. And that shit fucked me up as a kid. So, Well, the difference in this movie, Ghost is actually a woman. 
Yep. And played by Hannah John Kamen, who also played Finale in um, what's the movie that just came out with all the video games? Ready Player One. Ready Player One. Uh. Yeah. So I, I'm not gonna lie. When the little bit of scenes that I saw with Ghosts, I was a little nervous. It came off a little cheesy to me. Oh no, no, no! Don't don't worry about that. So yeah. I, I just hope that's just because so, it's a trailer and I don't see all the information. But I was yeah. a little nervous with the with the acting part. <laughs> it just uh, seemed a little off to me. But again, that's a very I hope it's just a very small glimpse of, you know, something greater. So yeah, no, I, I didn't even repeat really her acting in the trailer. But Ghost is an ill character, and I trust them. You know, like come on, man, they they got this right now. <laughs> Some people who don't have it right now are uh, whoever's in control of putting this Venom trailer out, you know, and oh. Venom movie. It's a, it's like Marvel just handed you the ball above the rim and you just, you know. Oh, my gosh. First oh, of all. Brick. First of all, and this could, you can attribute this to semantics or or, or accent. Where did is it ever pronounced symbiote? It's symbiote. Or at least that's how I've always pronounced it for the last 20 whatever years. You know what I mean? Like, I don't... 30. Venom has now been around 30 years. It's in... Maybe in Sony's offices, they pronounce it like that. But good sirs, where I'm from... I understand that's just a small tidbit. It's not really a major thing. Some some people be like, oh, girl, they just said... They're just saying it differently. I'm just saying it bothers me as someone who's sitting there watching and reading about this character forever. And then they go and do that. It was weird. My other concern is I have not been generally excited about this movie, even through the teasers, especially even after they said, as much as I love him, when they said Tom Hardy, I was just like, I just sat there and kind of like squinted because I was just like, really? Like, that's just, that's just not the person I would have thought. Bane, okay. Eddie Brock? Uh, I don't well, know. I, 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 Eddie Brock in the original form of Eddie Brock was supposed to be a bigger, more menacing form of Peter Parker. That's the thing. That, right. that's why he. That's why Venom becomes bigger and more menacing. Yeah, I, mean, I don't mind physicality size. Like I, I, oh, I he has you. it. Like I don't have a problem with that. It's I don't care. It was just this that mumble person, mouth. Yeah, <laughs> this person with this character, it didn't match oh, up no. for me. It didn't match up for me mentally. That said, I was like, okay, let's wait and see what we get with these trailers. The trailers came and I was still kind of like ho-hum. It still feels like Tom Hardy. I still feel like I'm watching a movie with Tom Hardy. I don't feel like I'm watching a movie with Eddie Brock or the person who's supposed to be this. I I don't see Venom. I just see Tom. And then further, when they finally showed Venom, the CGI version, I just kept saying, why is he so shiny? Like, what is going on? Is it seems like a gorilla in the mist? What is happening here? I didn't understand the 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 it was very like nasty, sticky kind of thing going on, and I wasn't with it. So for me, the trailer, when I saw the trailer, it did intrigue me a little bit to see the film more than I wanted to. And that's I, I would attribute that to Tom Hardy because he's a great actor. So when I saw him throughout the trailer, I was like, okay, I, I can see how people can lean into it. As far as the Venom um, symbiote itself, somebody, my man, my man, uh, my man, Chris said that it looked like a Venom hoodie, like you know the hoodie, <laughs> they put it on, and I can't unsee it ever since. It does, and and you know I know people, and that's a that's another debate to have about how everybody's become uh, CGI experts on timelines and social media, oh but um, just from what I saw. It looked like Venom was plastic. 
it looked menacing. It looked crazy. So, like, if I saw it in a picture, I'd be like, oh, shit, Venom. It looks yeah. Sick. But to watch it, how it formed on him and then it, it, it stuck, he just looked fake. That's what my dad used to Emotional say. Emotional looks weird. Crazy. He'd be like, that looks fake. This looks fake. Everything to him was like, that looks fake. That shit looked fake to me. And, and somebody put side by side uh, Venom and Spawn. From mm-hmm. oh. if those look alike, you have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> that was Thirty years ago, you have a problem. Like you gotta, you know, no shots at Spawn. I, I support you, brother. But no, no. Like it, I don't know. Maybe it's me, but I feel like you donate the money. You donate. You, you allocate the money to CGI, and you make it happen. Like they're. Mm-hmm. they're a lot of the CGI you know, for all we know, this could just be the rough cut CGI, but I always sit here and say, how could you publicly release anything that rough or anything that questionable looking? Again, remember we said this is the age of global mistakes. So if you put out stuff like that, <laughs> globally, everyone's going to say, what the fuck? So I agree with you. It just, it just looked i didn't believe it. It, it it not to say that venom is believable as an actual thing it's just i keep reminding myself of the animation i am in the i am the cartoon head and i'm just sitting here like that the cartoon from the 90s looks better than this there's something wrong rex uh, and also, everyone was arguing about the idea that, you know, Venom shouldn't even look like Venom if they don't have Spider-Man in this movie. Because the idea of Venom That's is, right. is that he's inspired by Spider-Man. Right. He's Spider-Man, so he grows the, you know, evil version of Spider-Man. Right. So, but they still haven't been exactly clear if Tom Holland or if there will be, like, you know, a shot of Spider-Man swinging in the distance. And Venom's like, ah, I hate that dude. Well, you know? back in the summer, summer 2017, they said verbatim, no Tom Holland in this movie. They didn't say, to your point, they didn't say it's not going to be like you said, a shot of yeah, a, somebody swinging like, around. I hate just him. to let you know, hey, he exists. <laughs> but again, how do you how do you ignore that layup? It's, I, I don't, it's a major fucking issue. That's what it is. And that's the biggest hangup I'm going to have for this film, that the whole reason why Venom is Venom and is on Earth is because of, of Spider- Spider-Man. Even, they've even expanded the Venom mythos to, for the symbiotes itself and where the symbiotes land. I, I believe they're called Clitarans, Clitarans or something like that. And they're from a whole nother Earth, a whole nother world where... Getting attached by them is almost like an affliction. Yes. Like, oh, shit, you got that symbiote? Damn, dog, I don't know how to get that off. <laughs> you got that. But they're sentient beings, and Venom had to reconnect with them. Think about Odo and his race from yep. 9. He had to yep. reconnect with them in order to cleanse the hate that Brock gave it. Mm-hmm. For him, for the symbiote as a being to be whole again and to connect with its people and to and to wash all of that away but even as far as the the spider symbol how are you gonna have a spider symbol of venom? and no spider-man well it, it was he's an alien fucking spider like come on man no. and that's what makes me nervous again we don't we don't have the full story so for all we know they're gonna flip it on us 180 you see how they fucking did us with Infinity War. But the difference between that was that was Marvel and this is Sony. And now I'm just like, I don't trust y'all, fam. Like, unless there's some, unless there's some joint effort, I don't trust them. And like I said, they had such a good, you know, they had all the goodwill in the world with Homecoming. It's just like DC when they had all the goodwill in the world with Wonder Woman. 
and some of it was Suicide Squad, and then they just, you know, botched that. But, you know, like we said, we'll see what happens. Also this week, uh, I mean, not even really worth mentioning. Let's talk about something more important. <laughs> is this Roar for Change? Yes. Make sure y'all check out the hashtag Roar for Change. You know, this benefits the, what is, who is this for exactly? This for UNICEF. I'm all, I'm all hyped for it. Like, it's all right. It benefits UNICEF. You know, this sounds like another, oh, no, we're not going to say that one. But yeah, no, this this is actually a cause you can believe in. It benefits UNICEF. Benefits UNICEF, every time anyone uses the hashtag War for Change on Twitter, on Instagram, anywhere out there, they will donate $1 until they reach a million dollars. It's easy. All you got to do is go out there, you know, use the hashtag War for Change. And if you want, you can add on your own Wookiee impersonation. Like this one right here. Yes. What it is. Yes. So you have to use the hashtag Roar for Change on social media between May 3rd and May 25th. Uh, And as Ben Amin said, up to a million dollars, they're going to donate a dollar for each social media post using the hashtag. And they encourage you to either post a photo or a video using uh, using your most creative Wookiee Roar. You can challenge or nominate other people, other friends to do it. And either you can use a cheat code like Ben Ami has and use the mask, or you can do it yourself. I know DJ Older, our very own guest on today's episode, he did his own where, um, did you see it though? It was kind of funny. That brother should have used the cheat code, man. That brother should have used the cheat code. (laughs) Oh Lord, you can write a a Shader guest though. You can write a Star Wars book, but you can't always do a Wookiee impersonation, folks. (laughs) 